This episode is brought to you by Harris Resort SoCal. Nestled against a rolling hillside and just down the road from Palomar Mountain, guests at Harris Resort SoCal can expect gorgeous views, friendly staff, available night and day to encourage everyone to have a great time. When I was there recently, I had a chance to dine at California's first and the nation's largest house kitchen. And it's true, the beef wellington and sticky toffee dessert are great. The restaurant is inspired by the hit TV show and features a menu approved by the Michelin star celebrity chef, Gordon Ramsay himself. Hope to see you all at Harris Resort SoCal in 2024. You know, I, as a man who has dedicated the majority of his life to war, you know, I could tell you war is destructive and the only thing that it leaves is disease and death. I think that as a society, we need to move past the, the days of war. But the thing is that we have to still build resilience. Who is to lamb has lived and died through each phase of my life, from birth to making me a warrior, to dying to the ideal of a warrior and making me something more. Who to lamb is today is I'm a loving husband. I'm a philosopher. I'm, I'm a man that believes in God. And I'm a, a man that believes in making a difference in this lifetime and i realize that comes with living you know with a very powerful code which i live by welcome to the vietnamese i'm your host kenneth win being part of a culture of nearly a hundred million vietnamese people in the world today comes with a lot of pain proud history and privilege join me as i highlight and explore the vietnamese experience from all of start out what made you decide to join the military I was pretty much indoctrinated into the military. You know, we escaped Vietnam and relocated into America. Uh, our, our paperwork was sponsored um, by a uh, American uh, special forces officer who married my aunt. So he, because he was a special forces officer, he um, did the paperwork to bring us over to the United States, which we landed in Fayetteville, North Carolina, but that's the home of the special forces. You know, eventually my mother remarried to a special forces Green Beret. So I had these uh, mentors uh, throughout my life and I'm, I'm pretty much emerged right in special forces and indoctrinated into that life at a very young age. If you ask me why the Green Berets or the Navy SEALs or Marines and, you know, every special operations unit fall underneath the same umbrella, you know, the special operations command. And we have a unique job within the spectrum of special warfare. But the Green Berets are the ones that free the oppressed. De oppressa libraire. From oppressed man to free man. Translated. You know, so by understanding what that means to be oppressed and escape oppression and genocide and to grow up to free the oppressed. You know, so all this directed me in the ways of the Green Beret because the Green Berets live with the people. To free the people, you have to live with the people. You know, and I wanted to travel the world and I wanted to live life at the edge, you know, at the edge. No fear of death, Bushido. And the Special Forces, um, by choosing that, I was able to be emerged to the world. And Bruce Lee said that the world is your teacher. So the world became my teacher. Now, when you talk about Bushido, that is a Japanese tradition, uh, as I understand it. Wh when did you incorporate that? When were you exposed to that tradition? And when did you merge it into your philosophy? You know, it came to me at a very young age and a, a code, oh, I want to say this, a code of philosophy, it brings us to a vision, a vision of what you can be, and then it follows by the intention, discipline, action, right? So at, at a very young age, you know, we escaped Vietnam, I, I faced genocide, I saw people die at sea. In fact, we were left at sea, left for dead. Um, you know, my, my parents divorced at a young age, I was spit on, I, I, I didn't fit in. So I... I fit in what it meant to be weak. You know, I was scared of, of everything, you know? And then my, my parents divorced and I was this weak kid that was, you know, getting picked on in, in school and spit on because I was different. You know, I was Asian, 
and being in that time in America, uh, you know, in the eighties, it, it was very racist times, you know, especially the early eighties because post Vietnam war. So where I'm trying to paint to you, I was very defeated. Didn't have a direction. My parents just divorced. I was indoctrinated now into a new strict upbringing. My mother, you know, remarried to America's special forces, green Beret. So very regimented upbringing, very strict. And I wasn't ready for it. I wasn't ready for any of it. And in fact, you know, looking back, I was still facing my traumas from my childhood, you know? So um, when my parents got divorced, uh, my biological father uh, gave a last departing gift. And it was, um, it came in the form of a box and I opened it and it had four uh, VHS tapes in this box and it was written in Vietnamese. So it was like dubbed tapes, you know? And I just randomly, man, I just picked out a tape. I threw it in the VCR and it was the art of Budo, the combat side of being samurai. Budo is the martial arts side of being samurai. Where, where do you think where do you think your father got that from how did he you know i don't think it meant to be anything i just think it was he just dubbed a few tapes and gave it to me because you know i don't really remember him too too much but i know that he wasn't a man of like that you know samurai or he, he'll yeah. believe in that you know um he was a survivor when you know he brought us to america but uh, my memories of him wasn't, he wasn't a warrior. So I, I, I truly feel like that was, that was the universe. You know, the universe guides us. And if you're awakened and you're present in that present moment and you're there and your pain feels purpose, then this gives you a direction, right? Code. So the code of Bushido, you know, uh, it breaks it down to the seven virtues, compassion, compassion, you know, like I wasn't given compassion, you know, we were left for dead at sea when I was a child. So what, what, what I'm saying to you is the pain that I felt as a child, oppression, the refugee camps where thousands of died of starvation, like, to endure that at such a young age from, you know, zero to seven years old, like that built pain, right? So that pain fueled purpose. I just needed direction, you know, and by landing in the household of special forces, right? And being indoctrinated, I had a path, you know, it was a vision. So the art of Budo, you know, I remember romanticizing about being a samurai. Like, what does it even mean to be a samurai? Well, what it means is to readily accept death for a higher purpose than yourself. And what is more honorable than to give your life fighting for the welfare of humanity? So whenever I listen to and hear guys like you and Jocko Willink and David Goggins, they speak about this current state of our health, our diet, our social media consumption. And I kind of think that we're headed for some sort of cultural stagnation. And I don't know really where that's from, but I feel like sometimes human needs, humanity needs something to kind of push up against and give us something to work for. Do humans need to have war to prepare for growth in our humanity? You know, I, as a man who has dedicated the majority of his life to war, you know, I could tell you war is destructive and the only thing that it leaves is disease and death. I think that as a society, we need to move past the, the days of war. But the thing is that we have to still build resilience, okay? We come from a species of hunter-gatherers, cavemen, right? That had to get up in the morning and don't know they're gonna eat that day unless they go out and hunt, okay? So what I'm saying is our brain is tied to that. 
our brain, like the chemicals and how we, you know, release chemicals from the brain to the to the body. Like everything is still the same. How we sense danger, how how does uh, a survivor's mind seeks a life of comfort? You know, a survivor's mind seeks survival comfort. And it conforms to the institution, right? So as hunter-gatherers, it matters what you think of me as a hunter because otherwise I'll get kicked out of the tribe and I'll die. So handed down through generations, it becomes a survival instinct, okay? So we as human beings have a survivor mind in a modern world where no challenges, where everything's given to us. Right. So the, the survivor's mind, what it does, is it looks for the negatives in the world as survival. It cares what you think of me because as tribal, it goes back to the roots of who we are as the existence as humans. Right. Yeah. So today's world, man, like, you know, back in the hunter gatherers day, it, it matters. Like if the warriors would defend the community, because the community will get enslaved, they'll get, they'll get wiped out. So warriors meant something. Life and death meant something because that was the realities. You see? Yeah, but we're, we're living in a duality yeah. here. We, we both need it to get sharper and we need it as a tool to sharpen our senses. But you're right. We exists in the world where war brings disease and, and really bad stuff to our, to our lives. So how do we mitigate this situation of not having war, but then again, you know, sitting on the couch and just consuming social media all day? Well, that's the thing, right? Social media has become a form of modern day communication. Social media can be a great thing. Like I communicate with my family members. I get to share without having to call them. They see you know, where I am, you know, I mean, it could be a great thing, but also it could be a bad thing, right? People, you know, like to bash others, internet bullying, you got human trafficking uh, going on, on, on social media. Like it's a lot of crime going on, on social media. The survivor's mind doesn't know if it's real or if it's false, right? If you close your mind, you think of something, the body think it's real. It doesn't have eyes. Right. So the thing is that what you consume on social media, ultimately, it's in your brain, it's in your subconscious mind. So we as a human species, we have to build a skill survival in today's modern world. What is there to survive? Yeah. Like, you know, for for another tribal region to enter your tribe and kill you and put you into slavery, it's not probably going to happen in America. Right. But that's where we came from. So the survivor's mind looks at the negative comments. It looks at all the negatives throughout your day. It looks for comfort. You know, you have a, a, a big social media following on Instagram. And, and it's, it's ironic that both you and I live on social media because of the work that we do. Um, first of all, how did you come up with the name Ronin Tactics? And second, how did you come to build such a, a massive social media following? Well, Ronin Tactics. Um, you know, I, I tell you, man, like Ronin Tactics came at a very a turning point in my life. I just uh, retired from the military, 23 years in special operations, 15 years of war, 27 countries. I was kind of, um, I lost my way. You know, I, was, uh, I, I lost my way as a human being. I embodied hate. I couldn't see the um I couldn't see the joy in the dead. Wait, wait, wait. What 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 kind of hate did you see? Can you describe that? You know, hate as in, you know, I traveled the world. Um, I saw a lot of cruel things from human beings from Southeast Asia, all around the world. I I fought all around the world. And you know, um, when you see women and children being enslaved. Uh, when you see children strapped with a roadside bomb, you know, when, when you see these cruelties in the world, you realize that the war is stupid, right? It's our inabilities to control our own emotions. 
So when I was lost, look, I was, a, you know, I was uh, addicted to painkillers. Um, you know, I got war, right? It, it beats you down. And uh, they gave us painkillers and the opiates. Uh, I realized that they, they gave me an escape. But let me tell you something about like Oxycontin, you know, like it takes you straight to the bottom. You know, so I lost my way. 23 years, decorated Special Forces Green Beret, saw the world with no purpose now. I had no purpose. Where do you go after you free the oppressed? Like you fought for the world, you know, but when you fight for the world, you're going to consume the world, right? You're going to consume it all because your subconscious mind remembers everything. And that's what forms, you know, battle stress, you know, PTSD, all that it remembers, and the body remembers. Okay, so Ronin in uh, feudal period Japan, to be a samurai was in service of a daimyo, you know, a warlord. And you know, to to be a special operations service, I was in service of the most powerful daimyo in the world. I was spec ops, you know, I employed the, the strategies of a ninja against our enemies, literally. That was special operations. And I served the highest daimyo, which was the president of the United States. I served our country, you know. But the thing was, you know, when I was, when I got out and I, I didn't free the oppressed anymore, like, where do you go? And I was like a drug addict and I was lost and barely holding my marriage together like you know 23 years so it was time to reinvent myself and um Miyamoto Masashi was a ronin born in the late 1500s and died in 1645 he wrote the book of five rings and the 21 principles of dokudo you know the art of walking alone you know, at that time, I was a drug addict. I was really defeated, depressed, and, and all that. And I was reading the Book of Five Rings, and it reminded me of the Bushido Code, a code that, you know, I ran across when I was nine years old. You know, somehow I just lost my way. So in Dokudo, uh, you must die to who you are, you know, I died to who I was when I was uh, a teenager, you know, facing racism to form myself into a warrior, right? And now I became this warrior and I had to die to that warrior to become who I needed to become. So because those words were so profound to die to everything of yesterday, um, and Masashi was the Ronin, and at that point in my life, I wasn't samurai. I didn't serve anything. And I was disgraceful in my eyes. You know, I was just a drug addict. Lost my way. It's so disgraceful. I didn't represent what it meant to be a warrior anymore. So Ronin is dishonorable back in feudal period Japan because as samurai is to serve. But because you're still the warrior class, you're bound by the way of dual swords, which is you're still you still have to walk around with two blades. So you can't be a farmer, you can't be a merge, you can't be anything else. You have to be a, a wandering samurai to call it the wanderer, right? So you can't even hold down a job, you know, back in feudal Japan. So you were shameful. And at that time, I was shameful, you know. But the Bushido Code allowed me to reflect within. So it started with the day, you know. It started with the day. I dumped all of my pain meds, and it started with the day. Like, what, what is the day going to look like? What is, if this is my last day on earth, like, how does it need to look? Perfection. So it started with that, like, just started doing the small things right, you know, make your bed, you know, uh, clean the house, just pick up after yourself, read the Bible, um, pray, um, meditation, physical fitness, like all the basic things that builds the core values of a human being. Because at that stage, war 
and my life has kind of taken me off those values, right? So I needed to rebuild these values again. And Lao Tzu, uh, uh, the founder of Taoism, he said the journey of a thousand miles began with a single step. So every step was each day, right? So to perfect that morning, what does that even look like with the perfection of a morning? You know, so it started with the morning. So, um, you know, after uh, I got out, I went to like different like uh, self-improvement seminars. So, right. It was about self-improvement now. Right. So I was on this new journey off of the code of Bushido. Right. It's just had I instead of looking external to try to affect the world, I turn my attention internally from yang to yin. Right. So turning internally, that was where the spiritual journey started with me and um, to perfect the morning. So perfecting the mornings is to write your mind, to write your mind, to empty your, your mind of thought and to be present within that moment without emotions. And that can only be done through breathing exercises. And how long ago was that? Were you made uh, this trend? Nine, nine years ago. Yeah. And when did you start the social media Instagram account? Um, you know, in that process of me healing myself and being zenful and mindful and, and reinventing myself, I decided, hey, why not start a, a company? Be an entrepreneur because that's always what I wanted anyways. And being a Ronin is to be masterless. So I'm my own master. So Ronin took on a, a different meaning throughout later on in my life, right? So... Ronin was to build the courage to walk alone, to be an entrepreneur. You know, like, you know how challenging it is to start a company with nobody knowing who you are? You don't even have a name. And then to take a name that you created and make that into a business. You know, so. Um, yeah. Can you walk me through that? Yeah. So, you know, I broke it up in three different phases. You know, I knew I wanted to get into the tactical industry. I just didn't know how I'm going to get in there. And there was a lot of, you know, great instructors already in there. And some had this quality, some had other qualities. The Green Berets, what we're really good at doing is we're really good at intelligence. We're really good at researching for many hours and pulling different intelligence and seeing and and seeing how that intelligence applied to where I need to be. So I develop a course of action on how I'm going to affect this area based off the intelligence. So I had to look at the industry. I had to look at the key players and what made them good, what made them, uh, what I didn't think they're uh, too good on. And, you know, and social media was the modern day form of communications. What are people communicating on? So I looked at the modern form of communications. I looked at what all these players are good and what not good at. I knew that there was going to be a shift into uh, social media platforms. YouTube was growing. So those were my platforms I need to get good at. All right. Well, being a spec ops guy, you, you're you not on social media, right? So I had to study. I had to study how social media works, you know? And, um, uh, you know, I was running on the treadmill with my headset on how to grow followers, how to be, you know, to grow a business, like studying, studying, meditating, studying. And, um, you know, I wanted to, as a Green Beret, we're called force multipliers. So we, we train armies, you know, we train commandos all around the world. I have cross-trained with different commando forces. I have stood up commando forces, you know. Um, so why not, like, take my knowledge and go out to major cities and train our law-abiding citizens so they can protect their, their, their loved ones and themselves? And, and why not train the law enforcement officers that swore uh, an oath to protect that community because if I love this country who gave me a home when I didn't have a home, escaping Vietnam, then why, why not go to these cities and train these people? So I did. So my wife and I, we travel all around the United States training and we grew. We grew really fast because, you know, we're, we know our tactics. I'm, I'm a spec ops guy. I'm, I've been it. 
or I had done it. So I started teaching uh, law enforcement. Law enforcement grew to SWAT teams, major police departments. Um, my wife and I travel all through the United States. Uh, at that point, I gave her like an SLR camera, like one of those digital cameras. I knew how to use it because I was in special forces. We had to know how to use those device, uh, those that technology because we were doing reconnaissance. So I would have to take high quality photos off of a ramp of a helicopter flying through the city of Baghdad. So I knew about shutter speed, ISO, apertures, you know, I knew all about that. So I would set the camera and I'll give it to my wife and I'll tell her the composition and I would teach the class. And um, in special forces, we had to extract the video, the audio, and we had to com uh, compress the files to be able to burst it out some kind of secure means. So I knew how to compress. I knew how to edit. So I would edit and compress my files and I'll post it on YouTube, right? I'll post it on um, social media. And along with my philosophies, you know, I'm a, I'm, I'm a samurai. You know, I, I believe in those values. So I would post about that. I would post about blades and, and how I'm able to stick a blade into this portion of a human being to bleed them out a certain way, right? Because I'm teaching, I'm teaching a mother who's been raped and sexually molested how to defend herself and her child. And I've done that through multiple cities, you know? So me teaching all that, I started posting all that on uh, social media and then Hollywood reached out to me and they found me on YouTube and they asked me to be on uh, Forge and Fire, Knife or Death History Channel. So I co-hosted with Bill Goldberg and I continue to travel and teach and my wife was filming and I'll post edit. I mean, we've done that for years and um, I would teach martial arts. You know, JKD, I would teach trap fighting. I would teach blade tactics. I would teach how to engage a threat at close range with a high power rifle, how to move, collapse your sector. You know, like that's what I did. SWAT teams, um, and we will film what we can film, like some, some SWAT training we don't film. And then Call of Duty uh, emailed us and wanted me to uh, do motion capture. So, um, I'm on the cover of Call of Duty. I do all their, their gun work and all their knife work and, and stuff on Motion Capture Studio, you know, in Hollywood. So with those two major platforms, it grew my social media, literally, overnight. You know, it grew. Wonders. Well, very cool. So you, started, you started all of that nine years ago? Yeah. And then on top of that, I wanted to start, uh, I, I wanted to manufacture my own tactical equipment. So I know how tactical equipment needs to fit, run, how quiet it needs to be, the low bearing strength it needs to have. I know what attack gear needs to look like. I know how to draw the gun from this position so the holster has to be angled. Like I understand what attack gear needs to be because of my years of war. So uh, I wanted to stand up my own line of merchandise. So um, now we own a manufacturing plant. I have a team of engineers that I work with to launch my ideas. And it goes into manufacturing, which we distribute to Army and law enforcement and civilians. Um, the top tier uh, of special operations are running our equipment. So uh, and, and on top of that, you know, we we. Um, we do the whole social media thing in the entertainment world too. So it breaks down into, you know, me teaching the martial arts and then uh, the merchandise. Um, and I run that with my wife. And then now I'm doing public speaking and developing uh, other, you know, young professionals. They want to follow the path of a warrior and how would they apply that to their life? Uh, I find myself speaking to you know, 3,000 plus uh, audience now on, you know, on uh, open platforms, right? And also um, at venues now, you know, where I speak about development of a human being and how I apply the teaching of the samurai with the discipline and how you must die 
at certain points in your life, that means when I say that you must die to certain beliefs that holds you back. Right? Like when I was a child and I was spit on, I was told I was nothing. I don't fit in here. Like I, I was a weak uh, child that was afraid of everything. I had to die to that to form the warrior. Right? So, and then when I became a warrior and I was so uh, traumatized by everything I saw in the world, I had to die to that warrior to a certain point and become the teacher. And what is my message to the world? You know, my message to the world is like, we don't need to go to war. You know, we should be kind to one another. And you know what? Your hardships defines who you're going to be. So think your hardships, just build the resilience to endure it. And on the other side is strength. And, you know, man, it took me a long time in my life to understand that. And now I'm able to kind of cap capsulate that teaching from Masashi Miyamoto, from Bruce Lee, from all the, the warriors. And then I'm able to encapsulate philosophers like Lao Tzu and Confucius that talks about, you know, being one with the world and being kind to one another. This episode is brought to you by Songkai Distillery, my only go-to gin company. Established in 2018, Songkai Distillery is Vietnam's first gin distillery founded by Daniel Nguyen, a Vietnamese American from Southern California. No matter how many people I have at my parties, we are always pouring Songkai gin. Songkai gin is handcrafted in small batches and prioritizes using botanicals and ingredients that are native and heirloom to Vietnam. The result is a product uniquely Vietnamese in taste and aroma. Songkai is now growing to include rice wine and traditional Vietnamese herbal liqueurs similar to Amaro. Songkai prides itself in Vietnam from the farmers who grow the fruits and herbs to the artists behind the artwork and design. Songkai is a community effort of people who are proud to be Vietnamese and collectively embody the spirit of Vietnam. Right. It, it, it's hard to um, exist in this duality, you know, as I listen to it, because I know on the on the one hand, you know, I was a former Marine as well. So I, I understand I, I shift mentalities constantly. You know, this idea of warfare, this idea of of hardships. But I also live in the world of academics and intellectuals and people who uh, have theories about how the world functions. Um, and it's all over the place because life is messy and, and and ideas and thoughts are could be all over the place. And you live in a very specific um, place, which is peace and and love and kindness is is a very important tenet of your or your teaching and your philosophy. But at the same time, um, the practice of preparing for war is also very much instilled in who you are. So I'm trying to kind of like navigate the way of um you know you know we talked about this earlier i'm trying to navigate the balance of where we are as human beings that that need the hardships but yet the balance of like not having to go into war not thinking about war and living a peaceful and solitude and and a life of uh calm but you need that balance in life so where where do we find that well, you know, I want to I'm going to take you in a direction where we talk about frequency, right? So, if this universe is made of energy, and this goes into Taoism, uh, it goes into Lao Tzu's teachings of yin and yang, right? Yin and yang is the polar energies that create everything. Without darkness, there'll never be light. Without good, there will never be evil, right? So, you have to have that contrast. But the thing is, in today's society, we're very contrasting the lower vibrations of hate and that stems to war right so do you know as a shaolin martial artist i had a shaolin master you know i traveled the world had a shaolin master demonstrated the power of love anger already takes your strength down to 50 percent. do you know that hmm. so if you bruce lee talks about it too so the flow like to the, the chi of 
Bruce Lee talked about the chi, right? So the universal energy, earth, we can ground ourselves. I'm going to go deep here, but the thing is that chi, that universal energy is love. It's creation. It's God. Like that's what the Holy Spirit, you call it the Tao, whatever you want to call it, but it's there. It's that universal energy. And that vibrates at, at love and creation. That's the existence of man, right? If you vibrate at hate, you lost 50% of that strength already because you're not vibrating at the frequency of the universe. So think about war. That's such a low frequency in, in society as a human consciousness, as a race, right? So war is not the answer. You have to have balance as a human being. You know, like practice the martial arts. Be resilient in your life and attack life. That's yang, like in yin and yang, like yang is to build a healthy ego, attack life, be aggressive. And there's a certain point in your life where you're going to have to balance it with internal reflection. In this aggressive state that you were in, did you like step on toes? Did you like hurt others along the way? We all have many mistakes, right? So in that process, when you go yin, then you develop yourself as a human being. So when you, when you talk about like the balance we are not balanced in this world because we're tied to social media and that's tied to negative comments that populates your brain, which forms a negative day, negative thoughts that forms negative uh, actions, how you treat others forming an all negative world because our level of consciousness is vibrating at that. But if, if we develop ourselves as a human race uh, in our level of consciousness to build resilience, to attack life, but to be kind, to know that love is the highest power over hate, right? And, and, and to build a, 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 and to make a difference in this world. Like that's what we need to be at, but we're not there as a human race because we as survivor instincts, looking at social media, you're, concentrating on the negative because our minds is programmed like that it was programmed to survive it's going to look out there to look for the dangers and the dangers nowadays negative comments so you're going to look at that if you're populating your mind with social media a news right so when you populate your mind with all these negative thoughts aren't you going to think negative and thoughts are tied to your body emotions and you're going to act out Right. So when we look at the world as a population, we got to look at it like, what are you feeding your mind? Right. We need to educate. We need to educate people. Right. On what's going on, on with social media, you know, uh, with with negative comments to yourself. Be kind to yourself. You know, treat yourself right. You know, I, I want to go to one of your posts that I, I really thought was very intriguing. Uh, there was, you know, how to, there's a lot of how to's and there's a, a one post that says, um, it was interesting because you said by the age of 30, you should consider starting a family, which I thought was brilliant. I thought of how today's society, it's, it's so tough to, you know, start a family. I started a family at 40, didn't have my first kid till I was 41. Um, and I, and I still sometimes, you know, I look out at my group of friends and most of them are not married. Um, some of them are well into their fifties now. And, um, I thought of the posts that you, you, you have, uh, they're all, you know, related to tactics, related to war, related to a loving, kind way of living, but this one post really caught my attention because I'm like, how did you formulate that idea? And why would you advocate uh, to start families at the age of 30? It was a really interesting thing for me. Yeah. I mean, in today's world, you know, in order to like build a constructive life where you need to be, that needs to be done in your 20s, I feel. Okay. Strictly my opinion. Uh, in your 20s, you need to be aggressive. You need to tackle life. 
And we weigh ourselves down with responsibilities in our early 20s if you have a family, right? Um, not saying that in your 20s you shouldn't get married. I'm just saying in my timeline that I'm looking at as developing as a human being. Okay, so in your 20s, very build build that aggression, the resilience, build the survivor instincts you're going to need to navigate through life, build it then. And then at 30, you need to like stop looking external, okay? And you need to like focus in. And, and, and I feel family is part of that. Like it's not just about you anymore, okay? It's about your loved ones to put them. And if you're able to put your loved ones first, your wife, your child, you know, your parents, then you would start to form a connection in understanding what it means to be one with all things. And that's life, right? It's, it's the process of growth. So if you're understanding one with all things, if Kenneth, I piss you off and you say something extremely rude to me and I take offense to that, right? I'm going off of my emotions. If I understand that, you know what, you know, you, you're going through what you're going through today. And uh, unless, unless you attack me, then it becomes physical, but you, you become more understanding. Right. And I think that that needs to start at 30 because you need some time to develop that. It took, it takes years to develop that. Right. Because in the end, when you die as an old man uh, in, in your bed or whatever, when you die, right, you want to you reflect on your life and you want to make sure you lived it properly with a timeline. You know, I, I believe in timelines. Do you have kids? You know, uh, I was that statistic. I married very young in, you know, my first marriage. And um, the special forces, high divorce rate. You're gone all the time. Um, so yeah, I, I realized that in my twenties, me being so aggressive and about me, you know, it, um, I wasn't ready for that, you know, so that affected my relationships. So the thing was, you know, now, you know, I've been married for 23 years to my second wife and she endured my whole career. And I realized that you know, I had time to learn what love is from her and to understand what it means to uh, communicate and to, it's not about you all the time. You know what I mean? So you, you want to give yourself some time. So 30 is a good, a good timeline uh, to develop that. Yeah. So, so you never had children? For my first marriage. Oh, you did. You did. Got it. Got it. Yeah. And, and do you stay close with them um, as a result of, you know, just a, a difficult uh, time in your twenties? No, no, we, uh, we're not very close. Um, the thing is, you know, when, when you're in your twenties, you think a certain way, you have a certain attitude uh, later on in life and you try to correct yourself and then things, maybe they're not ready, you yeah. know? So, so that's the thing is everybody has their own individual journey. You have to respect their journey. Yeah, I think those those kinds of experiences uh, lead us to a deeper place to to be able to meditate and to think on on our relationships and amending things. And, and now I'm beginning to understand why you have these thoughts of of, of kindness and and reflection. Yeah, because I have been dark. You know, war tends to bring you to the darkest places, and you know I have been dark in my life and you have to be in this a death or life situation when you're facing you know humanity at life and death you know when you're fighting for the freedom of women and children like you have to embrace hate at a certain point right yeah. to 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 suppress the emotion of fear so when you embrace hate it embodies you, right? So if you, okay, so if you turn on social media and the first thing you do is go, oh, look, you know, you're looking at the news, it pisses you off in the morning, you're embracing hate, you're embracing negative. So that fuels your day. So your, your day is now framed to be negative. 
If you wake up in the morning and you write your mind, right? And you work out, work on your body and you kind of eat healthy, then you're framing your mind to be happy, to live fulfilled, to be grateful. You know, that's why we're having a mental health crisis in America because people don't know how to train their minds. Have you been to Vietnam? No, uh, I, I left ever since I left Vietnam. Yeah, you've never been I back. I've never been back because, well, first it's a communist state and I was in the special forces and that was uh, uh, not authorized when I was in the military. And then now that I'm out, um, just never in, been back due to COVID and, and everything else. I do uh, plan to go back one day. What do you think it would be like for you? I don't know. I mean, I experienced so much in my life where I don't really get worked up over anything, you know? So when it happens, it happens and we'll see what happens, but I don't, um, fantasize about how that will be. Yeah. What does it mean to be Vietnamese to you? You know, the Vietnamese, if you look at the history of the Vietnamese people, uh, even before the country divided from North and South, many countries have tried to take over the country of Vietnam. And Vietnam, if you look at it geographically, is a very small region, right? It's a very small country compared to the surrounding, you know, Asian countries. And it's bordered by sea on the South, West and East, you know? So in the North side, you know, it's connected into, you know, around China, so during the Indochina War, uh, the Chinese will migrate into uh, Vietnam, escaping, you know, communism. And uh, the country uh, was uh, almost taken by France, right? The French tried to colonize there. That's why the Vietnamese have a huge French influence. But they were able to fend off the French, you know, as, as, as a country, okay, as a country. Uh, China invasion, Japanese invasion, uh, fended off America, right? America had to leave when the country was split north and south with Ho Chi Minh, right? So where, where I'm going here is very war, Vietnam, very war, populated by war, a lot of trauma in, in that region from in ancestral generations of war. So what that built was resilience in the people. So in the Vietnamese people, they have very strong resilience, you know, and uh, even with my mother and, and parents, they escaped from Vietnam. That took courage to load their to, their children on a boat, to to sail through the South China Sea past pirates, past the the harsh weather conditions, right? S survival, like just to go to the unknown for freedom like that that's courage and that's what i look at in vietnamese is that dude that country was built on resilience because that country was built out of war and what came out of it was just a resilient and brave group of people that's able to migrate to a new country that didn't accept them and thrived thrived you know my brother one generation he's a doctor that owns four different medical practice you know i became the top tier special operations like just i'm very proud of the vietnamese people you know so now when you when you contrast that resilience to modern american society even second generation vietnamese we oftentimes don't have the resilience and we don't have that sort of core strength that we are, that you just described. Do you ever see that we're going to return back to that as a country, as the United States one day? To, to have resilience again? Yeah. To have the strength, the in, intestinal fortitude that we, that we have as Vietnamese Americans or second generation, first generation. I don't think that we would ever bounce back uh, unless we face war at, at the roots of um, our country, on our land, Americans dying on our land, 
uh, enslaved. These are things I see in foreign countries. This is what I had to fight against to free the people. And when you see your family enslaved, it sets a, it sets a different monster that's formed inside of you. You know, when, when, when your parents brought down to their knees and shot in front of you, like that's going to build, right? So, you know, I, I hope it never happens, but I also hope that we never lose what it means to be American. Like we came, Americans came out of the 13 colonies. Like we're not even a military force and we, we were a bunch of rebels that beat the British, like uh, the, the superpower of its time that, that oppressed us as the people, you know, won our independence. And we, we, we uh, emerged from slavery and, you know, the Chinese coming over railroads, like a mesh pull of immigrants and migrants. Like, did we forget what it took for our ancestors to come here to build America? Like what they, they're, what they died for? You know, like families having babies on wagons migrating out west because of a promise of a land. Like that is courage. The same courage that my parents had loading us up on the boat, going in the middle of the south, knowing that we could possibly 400,000 refugees died at sea, statistically. And we went there. You know, so... My resilience was built at a young age, and it made me who I was, a warrior that freed the oppressed, that made an impact in this world. So you, if, if you want to make an impact in this world as Americans, we're going to have to face some hardship. You know, and um, it's going there. Dude, you know, we see it. Yeah. Dude, thank you so much for, for spending today with me it was eye-opening and i really appreciate your time you're welcome thank you for listening to the vietnamese with kenneth win special thanks to Brittany tran to jane win Catherine win tina fam sydney jamie and crystal trin please find us on instagram facebook and tiktok at the vietnamese podcast